with Mitch Trubisky, I can at least walk through and be like, at least we went for the guy that we wanted. That's fine. Mitch is a quarterback that we never wanted. You know, you saw... You guys before the show, a lot of people like this one as well. That's the one! That's the one! <laughs> Sam this guy... John, you my man! You my man! I love this one! This one's a keeper. I don't care about anybody else. I can remove my team. That's a keeper. Go ahead, John. If he brought, if my sister brought him home, I'd be terrified. (laughs) (laughs) But he seems so sweet at the same time. Oh, he does. Put his glasses, put his glasses. I get it. Also, voices from everywhere. And I always talk about this uh, for the fan, by the fans, for the fans. You know what I'm saying? And so you guys have a unique way of being able to do what you guys do. And I just want to tell you guys, thank you so much because I see you. If I see you, that means you guys are out there, and that's always Kenny Young. As long as you're not gonna. I know, right? Now I appreciate you guys having me and the support, man. Honestly, like I think. We're on this. <laughs> yeah, he's trying to remain professional and compose yourself here for God's sake. <laughs> we, this uh, this whole show is getting deleted, guys. Just so you, you know, know, it's not. It's, <laughs> n- it's never going to be on. Welcome back to the Irish Bears show. It is great to be back. We are back talking about more of the Bears roster, especially some of the new coming drafts that we brought in. We talked about the offense on Thursday. We're now going to be talking about the defense. With that, we brought in Kayla Olin. Now, Adam, you, you made a really good point earlier on. We're rolling with Olin, just a different Olin. <laughs> How are you doing, Kayla? That's right. I'm fantastic. Thank you. I was so excited when you reached out wanting to kind of talk about Kyler Gordon and what's been going on. I think the Bears have a pretty good draft class this season. So I was really excited when you asked me to be on and really break down. It's hard kind of watching some of these Pac-12 games that go on, especially when fans are on the East Coast or Central Time Zones a little bit more because we do joke about having Pac-12 after dark when a game kicks off at 7 p.m. our time. So some people who may not know Kyler, I hope this is a good little tidbit into who he is and kind of what you are getting with the Bears with him. Yeah, absolutely. Every single time before, whether it's before the first round or before the second round this time, we always kind of make our our picks last year i've just been lucky last year i was all on justin fields because i kind of start i just like liked watching ohio stay for a long time and he was one of my favorite players and then this year before the once we found out who went in the first round i think everybody started doing mock drafts and the first five mock drafts i kyler gordon to the bears every single time because every time you watch him he's a really impressive athlete really impressive player so i guess before we go into the type of player the Bears are getting, Kayla, um, do you, what do you know about, I guess, him as a person? Because that's often things that fans don't really get to know too much. I'm really glad you asked that question because I'm really close with his mom. Uh, she sat next to us the last few years for Husky games, and I've been to away games with her. They're very, very close family. They're all so great, and you can definitely tell by Kyler Gordon himself and kind of acting the same way his family does, just very humble, will always make time for everybody. He also, I'm sure you saw the picture when he got drafted about him and ballet and the kind of jujitsu, kung fu, and dance, and He credits a lot of that and his mom is a dancer as well. So it's really fun that she got him into that because his flexibility and how he moves is very fluid. And you can tell that kind of that's his background. 
He is very hardworking. He trained at FSP, Ford Sports Performance, here in Washington, one of the top sport academies in the state. So he's always put in the work. He's very dedicated. He's a great person all around, and he's hilarious, too. If you get to talk to him, he's so funny, and he's very, very tall, which works out well for football. Exactly. And to be fair, we say this all the time. He has really, really good hair as well. (laughs) (laughs) You'll be able to notice Kyler Gordon very, very easily. But look, I guess obviously you're saying that earlier on, there's a lot of fans, especially maybe in kind of the Chicagoland area that may not have got to see a lot of Washington football. So what are some of the, I guess, key things that stand out about Kyler Gordon as a corner? Kyler is, and you can go back to Washington, just constantly churning out talent after talent into the NFL. If you want to look at Byron Murphy, if you want to look at Buda Baker, Kevin King, Sidney Jones, Miles Bryan, just to kind of name a few right away. It's something that Washington really takes seriously and holds to the highest of standard is the Washington DBs and the secondary. And that is kind of... Kyler Gordon had to wait in line while all of those other greats who were before him, they got their playing time like they had to wait prior to that. And so Kyler is not somebody who was a four-year starter because that's just not how Washington secondaries work. And so for him to even have that patience when he was told by Notre Dame that he can come in and he will start day one as a true freshman. And that wasn't the case for him. So Kyler, football-wise, he's very patient. He's very, very athletic. I kind of like to go back and, you know, this is a little dated. Uh, so Washington always puts on a Husky combine. So it's after the NFL combine, and it's just for kids who aren't going into the draft, just to kind of have one with everybody else. And so they'll do a 40-yard dash vertical pro agility, a three-cone drill, and a broad jump. And Kyler was in the top five in 2019, spring of 2019, in every single one of those except for the 40-yard dash because he slipped in the very beginning. And so he has so much potential. He's so good. He's very well-rounded, and he's very, very smart. He reads plays very quickly and kind of watches them develop and then gets there. All, All games he played in, in his kind of time at Washington, he did not allow a single touchdown. So very, very, very smart player. Yeah. When we, when we first realized that we were getting someone like Kyler Gordon, there was a lot of excitement. And I think part of it was, like you said, the, the touchdowns, lack of penalties, he didn't seem to test well, but he, he plays very athletic on tape. And, and that's something that, you know, especially in this defense, he, he's going to be a very necessary piece. Um, Obviously, with the testing, he had a, a cornerback ahead of him on the death chart uh, that got drafted in the first. Do you think, I mean, why do you think he slipped to that second? Is there something that you think kind of helped him fall to the Bears? Because obviously, we're not complaining. We're happy that he did <laughs> yeah. slip um, because he, he is kind of that perfect fit for the defense. And by, by all accounts, like you said, everything we've heard, the guy's smart. The guy is passionate. You know, he's an athlete and, and he checks all those boxes. And it's just, you know, we were like, like Kieran said, we're very surprised to see him come to us in the second but when we a lot of people realize he might be a possibility you know our eyes lit up so we're happy he did but you know uh, why do you think it is that he, he kind of fell I have to if you have to point out a weakness of his which there's a weakness to everybody there's a weakness to Tom Brady and it can you know be counting downs I'm kidding just had to find one really quickly <laughs> off the top of my head but uh 
I would say that one of Kyler's weaknesses, and some people can maybe view it as a positive, is just his aggressiveness. Sometimes he can be a little bit overly aggressive in times, just in sense that he can maybe bite a little bit too early on some double moves by receivers. Uh, he likes to explode really quickly, and sometimes that can burn him. And I think maybe some film definitely saw that a little bit. Uh, and then you kind of go back to the testing. He was projected to be a first round by a lot of different kind of outlets and sources. And so for it to, for him to fall to the second was shocking, but I think it's a steal. And it was one that kind of was surprising. You can talk about like Malik Willis kind of falling to the second. It was a very heavy defensive first round, especially the first 11 picks or so, but getting him in the seconds of steal. And I think just also not having as much experience. Washington only played four games in 2020 in the COVID season and missing out. And I'm not sure how much you kind of really followed Washington or looked into Washington since getting Kyler Gordon, but Washington had Chris Peterson, who took him to the college world playoffs. Washington's the most recent Pac-12 team to go there. Lost to Alabama there in the first round, but was in a New Year Six major bowl game every single season. And then when Chris Peterson decided to resign, Jimmy Lake, the defensive coordinator, took over at Washington. And it collapsed the program almost into the sense that Washington didn't go to a bowl game last year for the first time since 2009. And so not getting the good look as a program as a whole, not really given the opportunity on a big stage like that, because I kind of did say he had to sit and wait a little bit. So he did get some snaps and some Pac-12 championship games, but there was never a all eyes on him. And I think that really hurt his kind of scouting profile as well a little bit. Well, it's funny, too, that you really emphasize that he's a steal. And, and like I said, there were when we saw that it was a possibility, it was great. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with this anecdote from uh, Ryan Poles, but uh, when they were doing all their, their pre-draft stuff, they were lining everyone up and having everybody do their mocks and then seeing where they aligned in their beliefs. And he said that every time they did a mock draft and Kyler was there in the second round, they ignored him because they had zero faith that he was going to be there at that pick. <laughs> so when you talk about it being a steal – they were so high on him. They didn't believe he'd be there. And then here this guy was just fell into our laps. And I know it didn't line up with the offense or bust, you know, surround Justin with everything you can. But when you see what kind of player you're getting, you know, they didn't even think they'd get him. We didn't think they'd get him. And as you're saying, you know, it's 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 a blessing. It's a blessing that we got him. It's also hard because he was across from Trent McDuffie, somebody who was just as good. He did go in the first round. So he, he wasn't a workhorse where you think that you know that is the one guy you're not he's not a Jalen Ramsey where he almost carries the secondary sometimes but it was a dynamic duo and they really shine together and I think that's why one of them didn't outshine one sometimes Trent would have a better game than Kyler and sometimes Kyler would have a much better game than Trent he would get two interceptions in a game and that's kind of just how it would be at Washington so I don't think having that one specific standout DB helped or hurt his draft a little bit, but it was never kind of one to be, oh, he's the one who's getting all the interceptions on the team. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, the one thing people always mention, because we we heard recently from Jalen Johnson, who was in a similar situation, kind of coming in, you had, yeah. you had Kyle Fuller, who was the guy that was still there, and then you needed somebody to play across him. Jalen Johnson had a few so shoulder injuries, so he fell to the second round. And the one thing that he said when he was interviewed this week and a bit of advice to give Kyler Gordon was 
forget every single play. So like once once the play is over, that's it, and you just move to the next one. Did you see any of that from from Kyler in college? Because you you did mention that obviously one of his downfalls there was maybe at times he's a bit too aggressive. Yeah. Did did he then learn from that where? If he gets beaten one play, it doesn't matter. He moves on to the next one. Or we've seen other corners in the past where it, they kind of dwell on it, especially early on in their career. I would definitely say so. And I can recall a time from 2021 down at Oregon State. And Oregon State was a huge upset for them when they beat Washington at home at, at Corvallis, so for Oregon State. And one of the big plays that set up the touchdown was a pass across the middle and Kyler got tricked a little bit on a double move. And he talking to him after the game and seeing him, he, the first thing he said to his mom and kind of everybody, he's like, yeah, I know, I, I know what I did. And, you know, I'm sure I'll hear about it at film tomorrow, but he didn't let it happen again. And he moved on with the game. And then the next time he did a, amazing tackle saved what could have been a potential break for a touchdown. He got that stop there. So he knows when he messes up and he accepts it and takes full responsibility, which I think is something that is very important, especially because you want somebody to be teachable and coachable and you want to learn from mistakes, especially in the NFL. And that's something that he kind of shown has shown throughout his college career. And even that one specific time, it's somebody, it's something that, I truly appreciate, and I know Chicago Bears fans will as well. Yeah, we like to make things a little bit fun here, so we like to sprinkle in a few <laughs> interesting questions as well. Because you you mentioned that you kind of sat beside his mom and you got to know them really well, how do you think he's going to deal with the winters in Chicago? <laughs> Oof. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the winters are a whole nother thing. The rain's fine considering it rains almost... 200 something days in Seattle. So the rain will be fine. I don't think it's going to be the gloomy darkness, but those coals, oh, I don't, I don't know if he's ready for them. He's, he's going to want that hair for sure to add a little bit of extra kind of fluffiness and warmth up there, but it's going to be pretty interesting to see how he adjusts. And I kind of know schedules are coming out and Chicago has a pretty favorable schedule. So I think that's going to be really big, especially you kind of look at who they start with in the first few games to potentially earn a starting spot or to really make an appearance for the defense. Do you think that he would be prepared? Because we always talk about corners, a difficult position for rookies to come in straight away kind of make the mark Jalen Johnson was one of the few guys that we've seen in recent times come in from week one and essentially play quite good obviously there's the rookie wall do you think that Kyler Gordon I know you mentioned his work ethic off the field that he'll be prepared if he is kind of put into action week one to be that other starting corner opposite Jalen Johnson I and this will be all kind of biases aside I do believe that he could start for the Bears. And I'm not going to say that he could go other places and get an immediate start, but I think that it is going to be big for the secondary. I think having kind of a Jalen Johnson and Kyler Gordon there in your kind of first depths is going to be big. You can look back at just some film and some highlights that are already happening at the Bears uh, rookie mini camp and with that interception, you can see the athleticism. You can see his vertical jump. He's getting 
a lot of great reps in this rookie mini camp. And if that continues throughout and into fall, and I'm assuming that to kind of test if he's ready, he would get some starts go preseason, you know, maybe without the starters, depending on how they kind of decide to play that out. I fully believe that if it's questionable, he will win the starting job kind of come those preseason games. Yeah, it's important because we've seen obviously Kyler gets picked in as the first pick in the second round. Then Jaquan Brisker, the safety from Penn State, gets picked as yeah. the second. And, and we see that Kyler got a lot of the first team kind of reps in the, I guess, voluntary workouts while Jaquan Brisker's been tasked with trying to earn that starting job. So do you think that's something that will benefit Kyler, just more of actually going out there and, and doing it and being part of that kind of first team defense? Or do you think that if it comes to training camp and let's say he is with the second team that that will kind of incentivize him more to go and get in with the first team. That's a great question, especially because Kyler is somebody who seems to excel when it comes to competition and having that trip on his shoulders. It's never easy kind of hearing that Trent McDuffie is the shining star of Washington's defensive backs. And Kyler is also somebody who's pretty quiet on social media as well. He's not very flashy. He kind of likes to keep to himself and let his playmaking abilities speak for itself. And having that chip on his shoulder, if he were to be in the two deeps and just with that second string, I think that would really fuel him. But I also know that Kyler doesn't want to disappoint anybody so if he is given that opportunity to get that first start then he will make it worthwhile and he will kind of say this is why you selected me just that he's he's always watching film he was the high school he went to is one of uh high schools that can recruit in the state of washington and they picked him and he went on and he was a special teams player defense. If he was a receiver, he had carries as a back. He's very versatile and he's ready kind of to be a hybrid role if needed. But clearly as a DB, he, he'll do anything for anybody. If they ask him to, they say jump, he'll ask how high. And I think that alone is going to help push him and motivate him to win that starting spot. Yeah, that sounds like the perfect kind of player for an Eberflu system where yeah. you know, he's, they, they say he's, you know, He's demanding, but in the right way, which, you know, he sounds like a guy who's going to respond to that uh, because he wants to learn. And, you know, you've mentioned a lot of positive qualities, a lot of positive traits, uh, skill sets, everything else. Um, what personally, as you know him on a personal level, you've known him for a while. Um, yeah. What's your favorite, I guess, quality skill of his that you think is going to shine through? That's going to make Bears fans just absolutely fall in love with him. You've mentioned that he's, you know, humble. We like people who, you know, get to work and come in and and, you know, are ready to make a difference day one, whether it's their job or not. We, we like, you know, athletic players, guys who get the job done defense. You know, there's a lot of things that this guy brings to the table to you. What's that one thing that you think Chicago is just going to absolutely fall in love with? Chicago loves their football and their hard hitters. And Kyler is a hard hitter. He will build up momentum and, I don't know if this is necessarily a knock on Kyler, but kind of Washington scheme. They like to have their DBs play a little bit further back, keep the ball in front of them. So you're not giving up too many yards after a completion. Um, it does allow for you a few more catches, but it's not like you're going to get burned too often for a touchdown. And so with that being said, Kyler will build up and he's quick. We'll build up a lot of speed coming in. He will hit him. It's clean. He was he never had a targeting call against him in all of college, which is huge. But that ball will pop out of receivers' hands or a running backs' hands. 
and the hard hittingness. It's very old school football that you kind of like Chicago. (laughs) Exactly. And so I think that's something that Chicago fans will absolutely love is there's nothing like a pop and a loose ball and a fumble recovery and a key play that doesn't get a football fans heart really racing and get them excited, especially about a player. And Kyler is somebody who loves his hard hitting defense. Yeah, as long as Kyler is able to to make tackles and touch players when they're down, I think Bears fans will be happy because there was too many times <laughs> last year. Yeah, uh, too many times last year we're seeing wide open receivers. They fall over and none of the DBs are even going to touch them when they're down. It was it was crazy. So yeah, it's look. I think a lot of people are excited to have him in because it's been a while since the Bears have really had two corners on the outside that you can believe in and. We're seeing kind of the work ethic from Jalen Johnson where he's trying to improve every year. The way you talk about Kyler Gordon is is one that's really good. So I do want to bring it back a little bit to kind of pre-draft and we'll when you when you saw that Kyler was kind of falling out of the first round and then you were looking at it's coming into the second. What was your kind of feeling knowing that you know the family and knowing how he would be feeling at that time? And then finally, early in that second round to go to Chicago, what was kind of your emotions and what do you imagine that Kyler and his family was like at that time? It was crazy. I know they had a very busy week kind of there in Vegas doing a bunch of visits and some volunteer stuff. And his family was just so happy to be there when it came time to deciding because Kyler had an extra year of eligibility left so he could come back to Washington if he chose to. And he said, you know, I think I'm ready. Like, I want to do this. I want to take care of my mom. I want to take care of my dad. Everything I do, I do for them. And so kind of them being there in the green room wasn't easy, especially as the night progressed and people got called. Obviously, when Trent got called, Kyler was so happy for him. And that's one of those things where, you're so happy, but you know, it's kind of win me next. And after that first day, still didn't regret his decision to leave Washington and to go to the draft. And I'm not going to say my favorite uh, NFL team. It's not, it's not the Seahawks. It's not Seattle. So as long as it's not green Bay, we're okay. No, we're good. We're <laughs> good. We're still friends. We're yes. still friends. <laughs> uh, do like Chicago a lot more too, especially now that Kyler is there as well. Uh, go bears. But I, part of me, I was like, okay, good. My team passed on him the first round. Maybe he can come by around the second and then, Chicago took him and I was like, man, I'm so upset that it didn't go to my team that I wanted him to because that would have been perfect. But at the same time, Justin Fields was one of my favorite quarterbacks, not from Washington. I had the utmost respect for him when he played through his rib injuries there in the college football playoffs. And I think having that kind of atmosphere and that kind of teammate is going to help is going to help Kyler kind of strive. And I think it's a perfect fit for him, especially kind emotionally, I guess. And just having that uh, camaraderie there is going to be big. So I was sad, but I think he landed where he was supposed to. And his family says the same thing. So what we talk about Justin Fields as I've always, as an Ohio State fan, I was talking to some of the guys earlier on and saying that 
Justin Fields' career in terms of his leadership in the locker room, it does resonate very similarly to Ohio State when he transfers to Georgia, kind of getting to know the place that first year and then second year kind of takes control of the locker room. We've kind of seen that this offseason where he's become that leader. So what is Kyler Gordon like as a teammate? What do you hear from both him, his teammates, and what they think of him? Kyler is a great motivator. He loves kind of being there. He's not the person who, you know, all eyes on me, but he's there. He's talking to his teammates on the bench after a defensive series. He's there. He's engaged the entire time. Even when Washington was losing, he was never that one to just sit on the bench and wait until it was his turn. He was on the sideline with his teammates and quarterback has a bad play, bad interception, you know, says it's okay, shakes it off, moves on, goes out, does his business. And so that's a huge leader as well, on top of kind of saying he's really quiet on socials. The only socials that you'll see him post, especially if you look at his Instagram stories or anything, it's his teammates. It's teammates that are still in college at Washington during their spring previews and their spring training. And there's very little self-recognition there. He's very much a other people first. And so that kind of a leader is an, as own, it's not – you know, follow me, be flashy. This is how we're going to do it. But he does it by being the great teammate that constantly supports and pumps up his other teammates and makes sure that they're doing their job so that he can do his. Well, the fans will have to pump him up on social media then if, if he's not <laughs> going to be too engaged. Because look, I know there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be big fans of his. As as we all know, while the Bears fans are looking at this kind of offensive side of the football we can always say we want to see that, but there's nothing worse for a Bears fan than when you see a defense not play well. We want to see good defense. I think Bears fans are going to love both Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker that's come in. And look, that's, I guess that's the, the last question that I have for you. How important do you think it is now that you do have Kyler Gordon and Brisker that have come in at the same time? They'll be at the team the same amount of years and hopefully both guys get their second contract eventually. But having being able to i guess start together in rookie camp kind of move forward how important do you think that is that these two guys are going to get to learn together and be able to learn the defense at i guess the same time i think it's important i think it's huge and you can go i'm just going to tie into seattle seahawks right now because i'm sure there's people from seattle as we're talking about kyler gordon who are watching this but you can go back to their super bowl win and you have Bobby Wagner mixed with some Russell Wilson at quarterback. And then you have Richard Sherman and you have these people who really grew together and some were in the same draft class as well. And they were one of the best defenses during their Super Bowl time. And if it weren't for passing instead of running on first and goal at the one, they could have been back-to-back -back Super Bowl champions. And a lot of that is because of the defense and how much they really grew together and experience together. There was never one who's I'm better than the other. It was always Richard Sherman and Bobby Wagner and everyone else who made of the quote unquote Legion of Boom that made that defense and that team so great. I mean, Marshawn Lynch is a great, was a great running back, not to take anything away from that offense, but that offense wasn't the best offense in the NFL that season, but it was the defense that kind of kept them in there. And if it wasn't for the offense, could have been two-time Super Bowl champion. So I think the same thing is going to happen with Chicago. If Chicago can still give it 
kind of a few years of growing pains and just continuing to build on such a good roster that they are working on. I think that Chicago will very much be some tough playoff contenders come in the future years. And I think that does start with Kyler and all those other rookies who are drafted. Yeah. We're going to have to definitely get you on the show again, because it's, it's a lot of fun being able to talk to about some of these guys. And as you mentioned, you've mentioned a little bit about Justin Fields. So we'll always say fight the good fight with Justin Fields. Cause we have so many national media out there <laughs> that want to criticize everything the bears do. And look, we're excited with some of the young players that have come on, but look, before we let you go, do you want to tell some people that might be interested in, anything to do with Washington football as well as we move into getting closer to the college football season as well. Like I know we are here cause we'll probably be doing draft shows from next month for, <laughs> for the whole year. So do you want to tell people where they can find some of your work? Yeah. I mean, Washington football, it's regrowing from kind of what I mentioned had deteriorate deteriorated over the course of having a coach for a year and a half. And so it's going to be a great story bringing in brand new offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, head coach. And there's some kids who are really invested in this program, which is great because then it's not even about the name or the program, but as much as buying into this relationship and these teammates and these coaches. So it's great. And I would, from seeing what I have in spring and kind of being there up and close, the defense is continuing to look just as good, even though it's a different coaching staff. So if you're looking for more defensive players, Washington's definitely the team to check out there for you. Uh, you can kind of follow me on Twitter, Instagram, everywhere at Kayla Olin, K-A-I-L-A-O-L-I-N. Um, I'm the CEO of realdog.com. So it's a Washington uh, sports publication site. So all of that's going out there. There's tons of stuff. And we like talking about these players and other programs. So I'm sure we'll be talking about the bears too, especially as the NFL season does start. Yeah, absolutely. As we uh, talk about more college football, we'll definitely have to get you on to talk about let's say let's so people know more about the West coast games as well. <laughs> to give I mean, them yeah, their it's hard too. when some games get over at two in the morning, <laughs> it's rough for us too. <laughs> yeah. You can imagine what that's like over here in Ireland where that would actually be like, what? 8am nearly. So Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, look, it's it's been great having you on the show. Thank you so much for your time, Kayla. We'll definitely be having you on again. No, thanks for inviting me. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Have a great weekend. Bye. Bye. That was a lot of fun with, with Kayla, Adam. It's, it's good to learn a little bit more about these guys. We had, oh, we had Matt on, on was this Wednesday or Thursday of this week to talk about a lot to do with Vallis Jones Jr. He was a... It was a lot of fun to be able to kind of just find out the insights on these guys, right? Like it's 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 good to be able to get kind of some of this insight. And like I really enjoy just kind of learning about these guys and learning about the personal side of things because sometimes it, you don't really get that. We get to watch all the tech. We get to watch the games. We get to do all that. But often you don't really get that kind of inside scoop. And I think that is important to be able to know what type of person we are getting and with that we have a very good type of person joining us all the way from scott oh, is he in scotland or england tony where, where are you at this point in time i'm uh, i'm coming to you from sunny sheffield today oh so england um, yeah i'm in england i'm in england down down here working for this week so uh, i'm in a, a lovely hotel room hopefully the wi-fi uh, holds up but uh but so far so good how are you guys doing 
good. You look crystal clear, so that's good. And you have what is your Khalil Mack jersey on? It looks like. I need to get I need to get as much wear out of it as possible before the season starts. Like I'm still counting this as like the season hasn't actually started, so I can still wear my Khalil Mack jersey. Um, and uh, what? <laughs> what the? Hold on, hold on. Tony is definitely out uh, no, he's, he's, he's a cute he's a cute man. <laughs> no, but Stop look. objectifying me, Swifty. <laughs> yeah, look, it it was good. I, I don't know if, if you got to listen to most of the interview there, Tony. I know you've been trying to get set up in, in the hotel room, but it's always good to be able to kind of hear about like the personal side of these guys that we're in. Because I just mentioned it to Adam there is like we can all do the tape study, right? We can all watch the tape. We can all listen to coaches and how they talk. That we get the highlights of like the rookie camp, but it's different when it comes from somebody that actually has spent time with the family and knows Kyler Gordon really well and kind of how he reacts to different situations. And yeah, it, it was a really interesting conversation that Kayla was able to bring to the show today. Yeah, and I think I think um, what I really liked about it was the fact that she personally knows. Um, Kyler Gordon and the family, um, you know, and from from what I heard, she had nothing but good things to say about them as people, which you know, um, it, it's, it's very important, you know, because it's a people business, and uh, and knowing that he can, you know, come in and and, and be a be a good person, you know, that, that that's that's uh, that's a huge part of it. So um, yeah, I um, he definitely from all from the account that that, that Kayla had there. Um, it definitely sounds like we've got ourselves a, a great a great guy. Um, you know, from watching the tape, it looks like we've got ourselves a great player. And I'll just be waiting to see whether or not he can make that transition to the NFL. Um, because as you know, it's a it's a huge step up. Um, but from what I can see, it definitely looks like he's he's our starting starting corner versus uh, opposite Jalen Johnson. And I said this before, but if you've got them two, Brisker and hopefully Eddie Jackson. That's your defensive backfield sorted for a good long while. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of, lot of potential there. Yeah, Adam, I want to get your opinion on it because it was, it was just interesting hearing some of the things. Like we mentioned when we, ha- when we did the Velas Jones Jr. Um, interview earlier on in the week where it was just good to know things that we can't find out unless you talk to people that are actually around the kind of program on a kind of a daily basis or cover it on a daily basis at least. Yeah, and that's that's the interesting thing. After after a year of trying to find the whys, it's been really interesting to learn about the who's. Yeah. Um, you know, we're we're learning things about these guys that wasn't really public knowledge unless you are from UT or are from Washington. Um, you know, and and it's it's good to get a breakdown of you know. Obviously, they've covered him. She knows him well, and she did try in certain instances to put those biases aside, which is great because now we do know that. You know, if he does bite on something and he looks a little too aggressive or out of position, that's the reason that he fell to us in the second round. But then we have to look at all the other things he does great and understand that, you know, that's why we were so happy when he fell to us in the second round. So it's really nice to kind of make heads or tails because all we see are these, you know, one paragraph reports about these players. And that's what that's what people know. That's that's the general basis of, you know, athletic didn't test well. No, no touchdowns allowed in his college career. Well, what about him? What what makes him good? What what makes them tick? And I feel like we've learned a lot about Valus Jones and Kyler Gordon that really lets you know why the Bears coveted them coveted them so much. Uh, obviously, Gordon falling to us a lot more priority on him, but both of these players, you you see exactly, you know what Poles and Flus are trying to do, 
And then you see these guys they're bringing in and, and you, you know, that's, it's, it's perfect synergy. It feels like, obviously we got to see what they can do on the field, but you know, it's great to learn that these players are going to fit in, you know, Matt Nagy's, we don't have any turds in the locker room. Well, it sounds like both of these guys are very anti-turd. Um, so it, it'll be, they'll be great assets in the locker room in terms of leadership as well, because the locker room has a lot of growing to do since we've lost a lot of the older pieces. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's really important because again, when you look at this from a Bears perspective, when you're turning over a roster and the guys that you're going to be keeping for a longer term, you want them to be able to set the culture. Because we've a, we've mentioned it before, Tony, right? We have a lot of one-year deals. We have a lot of short-term contracts that have come in because a lot of guys left last year and not too many guys got those big deals, big extensions. So really it's the guys from last year that came in as rookies. This year from the draft, are going to be the guys that really need to set the culture. And it's, I know fans don't like hearing that word, like the culture, because often it's associated with bad football teams that you have to do that. But often when you have to completely revamp a roster, that's really, really important. And that's why we talk about people and why I think it is important that you get the right mentality in your, on your roster and the guys that are going to be playing for you. And look, it all stems from the coach and, it makes sense when we when we hear about Valus Jones Jr. on Thursday and kind of the type of guy he is, Kyler Gordon, and then you hear from like a Matt Eberflus. It makes sense why the Bears coveted these guys. It does. It does indeed. And the thing is, you know, I, I think I heard the question when Kayla was on asking, you know, why do you think Kyler Gordon fell to the second round? Um, so I think the reason for that is he's a, he's been a one year starter um at corner um but in that one year he has looked that you know he's, he's played that well that has managed to get him a spot in the second round if he had consecutive years of starting producing at that level then he would have been a first a first round uh corner uh pick no i mean there's no doubt in my mind based on who he was with in, in this draft class i mean he led the team in um passes defended and inter interceptions last year obviously not had a um a, a touchdown scored against them um you know all those stats really jump out at you so you know, those are really important but as you say like the person uh, and who you're getting is, is really important and building the culture is right you know but you should always be looking to build the culture it shouldn't be a dirty word even though we heard it so much with naggy and pace because you still need a culture they just didn't build the right culture you know like you can you can argue that you can you can argue that they, they did in a way, but for me, they didn't. They had too many nice guys. They had too many guys who, you know, obviously didn't have that same competitive edge. There was a problem with the way that they were being coached, evidently. Um, you know, the, the leadership from the coaches wasn't there. The belief in the coaches wasn't there. If you've got uh, a prospect like, um, you know, Brisker or like Gordon, who clearly can perform well, have got the right mentality, if you can then have the right coach in there to to mold them into something for the next level, then you're in a great situation. Because any any time you're picking a player outside of the first round, it's probably outside of the top kind of fifteen in the first round. You're getting a guy who isn't the complete package. You know, there's only a handful of guys go to the top top of the first round who are slot them in. They can do the job right away. Everyone else has got something. So whether it's that personality issue, whether it's um, you know uh, 
learning his trade a bit more, whether it's a maturity issue. There's loads of different things. And it's all about recognizing, right, what are the what are the weaknesses or rat no weaknesses isn't what they want to call it nowadays. Areas for improvement is what they call it. So what are the areas for improvement? Um and does that match up with the type of coaching and the kind of setup we have in our team? And you know, if you do your evaluation properly and also you like the player, then that can work out successfully. So the proof will be in the pudding, you know, probably not this year, but certainly by next year with these uh, rookies, you know, what what we're seeing is going to be what we're hoping to see moving forward. Now, I've seen someone in the chat was talking about Eddie Jackson and mm -hmm. how, you know, he's 2017, 2018, he's never got back to that. Now, there's probably various reasons for that, okay? Um, personal reasons and all these other things probably, and we have to respect that. Um, but also in terms of the playing as well, I think having uh, Jackson able to have someone alongside him at that safety position is going to really help someone who's um, echoes the the sort of um, play style of Adrian Amos or you know guys that are going to do the dirty work to allow him to do other things um, because he's not a guy that's going to come down and smash you in the face and and he's not that type of safety. Um, he's he's a playmaking safety. He wants to he wants to try he wants to make big plays, get on the ball, get interceptions, run the ball back for a touchdown, all those types of things. Um, and it's all about trying to kind of use him as best you can and accentuate his qualities by putting the right people alongside him. So for me, um, I'm still I'm still behind Eddie Jackson. I know I've criticised him in, in the past for for his technique and all that kind of stuff, but I think a lot of the time he was getting put in situations that probably didn't play his strengths. And we've seen that across the board with the Bears. You know, we didn't play to Justin Fields' strengths. We didn't play to wide receiver strengths. That was a coaching issue. So I'm hoping if they're able to identify all this type of thing, um, that you know we can start playing to people's strengths and getting the most out of them. Um, and personality is a big thing in that because you have to be willing to be coached. And I, I'm, I get the feeling that these new guys are bringing in in terms of the rookies. Um, have that right kind of mental attitude from from all I've heard and all I've seen. Yeah, absolutely. And look, Adam, I, I guess to round out this conversation about Kyler Gordon and before you kind of move on to the, I guess the rookie class as a whole on defense, because we spoke about the offensive guys on Thursday. So if if anybody that's in the chat did not wants to hear about the offensive rookies the we analyzed the offensive side of the football as well make sure you go back and listen to the episode on thursday we got one of the guys that covers the tennessee volunteers on as well and he kind of told us a lot of interesting stories about Valus jones jr so if you are interested in that make sure you go back and listen to that one as well because again very important information that again we learned quite a lot in that um in that interview that some aspects that we just didn't think of even before. Um, but look, I'm going to give these questions to both of you, Adam, yourself first. What do you think will constitute a successful rookie season for a Kyler Gordon? Um, I think it's kind of tough to put numbers on it. I think health first and foremost, um, yeah. you know, as much as, as much as we're relying on Jalen Johnson as, our number one cornerback. We also have to remember that he's had some shoulder issues. Um, so, you know, the health is going to be the big one because if, if Jalen goes down, then all of a sudden, you know, Kyler Gordon is probably going to be our top guy. Uh, 
Beyond that, I think, again, like I said, my word of this summer is going to be competency. I think seeing him go out there, not getting burned regularly in games, and when you do see him make mistakes, because there will be mistakes. And like Kayla said, he's an aggressive guy. So, you know, there's there's going to have to be some tempered expectations. I know we're very high on him and his potential as a whole, but, you know, he's going to make mistakes. And then what happens that next play? Kind of like you were talking about, Kieran, with the, the short-term memory. Does he wash that and move on to the next one? Now, if you see... This drive, he gets burned for a 30-yard pass. On the next drive, he gets burned for a touchdown. Obviously, that's not good. And if we see that start stacking, I don't think you can consider that a successful rookie season. But I think seeing that growth of when he makes a mistake, does he make the same mistake two or three times? Or does he make that mistake and then he's done? Um, that, that, for me, would be a successful rookie season because we don't know what we're looking at so far. From the scheme to the coaching staff to everything else, we've kind of seen what they did in Indy. We know what trees they all fall from and everything, but we really don't know what their plan is for the Chicago defense. So, you know, if he's playing in a bit more of an aggressive role, I'd love to see some takeaways. Uh, if, you know, they're going to be relying on him a little bit more to be that physical guy because he loves to hit, uh, you know, a la Kyle Fuller, when you see him in the backfield, just absolutely smashing pads, that'd be great. But it, it's really, for me, it's the limiting of mistakes will be successful for me because he's a second round cornerback. If he's a starting cornerback from day one and he limits mistakes, that's a huge success to me. Yeah. Look, same question to yourself, Tony. It doesn't have to be numbers, right? It can just be, I guess, how Bears fans feel about him at the end of his rookie season. What would you feel would be a success for Kyler Gordon come the end of the 2022 season? Yeah, similar to, to what Adam was saying there. Inevitably, he's going to make a mistake or two. Okay, That's going to happen. And it's whether or not we're put in that situation again did he learn from that mistake okay and did, did he make adjustments and all that type of thing so it's just about development really i mean we can't expect again these these are second round players okay we can't expect them to go out there and and blow the barn doors off and you know become the the best thing at, at cornerback since charles tillman is not going to happen because um, is a, they're not first round picks, they're second round picks. There's a lot of a lot of growing, a lot of development to do there. Um, you know, making that jump up to the NFL is, is always going to be a big thing as well. So, you know, I, I think you just got to go out there and and make see see if he, he can adjust, adapt. Um, if he can fit in with him, you know, on that personal level. Um, and and hopefully, as you say, you can have some success. It'd be great to, to to be able to give you a number like oh, if he gets you know four interceptions or whatever, and several pass breakups and all this kind of stuff. But I mean, who knows? Do you know what I mean? Like the, the, there's the statistics can can throw people because there's people out there that have great statistics and really outside of that, they you know they they they, they don't do much else. It could all be in one game where he gets those four or five interceptions and then there's nothing for the rest of the year. So um, I don't think you can really go on that. But for me, I just want to see growth, development, learn from mistakes if it happen, and just fitting into the system. Um, if we can feel confident um, going into next off season that we have our cornerback set, I think that's great. Whether or not that means that they've had a fantastic year or they've had a promising year, well, see, see if they had a year like the first year Jalen Johnson had. I, I think that would be that would be great. It's a great floor to start off and kind of go from there. And I think he's a better athlete than Jalen Johnson. Um, so there is potential that he could do better, but we'll just need to wait and see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. And look, 
I do want to move on because we're going to talk about some of the other rookies. We're going to talk about, we're going to analyze this, this defense because we did that in the offense. We took kind of each position group, what we thought about, I guess, the guys that were there, if there needed to be improvements. And actually, just to make a little bit of a comparison, we'll go through each position first. But then I wanted to do a bit of a comparison between the Colts 21 defense and what we're projecting the Bears 22 defense to see kind of what Eberflus has to use, where are the differences, where is he going to have to ch maybe change up his defense a little bit based on the strengths of it. So, look, first of all, what I wanted to bring in, and Adam, I'll start with yourself. So when we break down the rookies and how they fit into the 2022 plan, so realistically, um, unless I'm forgetting someone, because I know we went through a bunch of offensive guys later on in the draft, we have Kyler Gordon, Jaquan Brisker, and Robinson. We're were brought in and Dominique Robinson were brought in um, as rookies. Um, so we've spoken to Kyler Gordon. I think a lot of people expect him all going well. Like we take injuries into account, all that sort of stuff that he should be the corner opposite um, Jalen Johnson. And we've heard Matt Eberflus kind of sing his praises and it seems like he's on a good starting point. This is where I wanted to bring in Jaquan Brisker because Jalen Johnson was an interesting one that we got to listen to in this past week because the question from one of the beat reporters was asked whether he thinks it's good that Jaquan Brisker and Kyler Gordon have to earn their stripes, basically, and that they have to earn their way to the first team. And normally you'll hear an NFL player agree with it, right? They'll say, oh, yeah, it's good. They need to earn to play with the first team. But he actually was very, very honest. And he said, there are first two picks they should be playing with at the first team defense. So I guess for you, Adam, when we talk about Jaquan Brisker, there are other there are other players there at safety that could potentially take it. We've, again, we brought in Crookshank and DeAndre Hughes-Harrison is there. But realistically, it would be a surprise if Jaquan Brisker is not starting at the beginning of the 2022 season. So I guess a similar question to what Jalen Johnson was asked, do you prefer having guys or we expect them to play early on to have to earn their way up to playing with the first team defense? Or do you think the draft selection of where they were, the types of players that they are, let's see what they have and let's just put them in there and just let them learn while playing with the defense that eventually they'll be incorporated in. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's kind of a mix of it's it's probably Gordon and Brisker's jobs to lose, but not openly at this point. I think they're drafted with the intention of, you know, we're really hurting in these spots. We need a, a starting cornerback. We need a safety that can make Eddie Jackson better. And I, there's a lot of chatter in the chat right now about Eddie Jackson falling off, not fully understanding the nuance of everything that goes on around him also affects what he's able to do. So, you know, there's there's a lot that goes into that, not just that, oh, he forgot how to play football. If it were that easy, um, you know, there'd, there'd be a lot of guys falling off the map pretty quickly. But, you know, you bring in a guy like Brisker and he, he really could help shore up that back end and do a lot for the defense. You want to see what they have, though. You don't want to come out and say, yeah, it's their job to lose from day one, because if they go in camp and they lay an egg, then what are you doing? Well, well, what are you thinking? Why'd you promise them the job? You didn't know enough about them. And that sets off the whole thing like the medicals before the free agent signing. And well, what are you doing without knowing what you're talking about? Or, um, you know, you want to see them start. You, they're, they're high picks when we could have went offense. And that's the whole argument right now is 
we're, we're trying to fix defense now because they didn't, they couldn't fix offense right away. So, you know, shore up that one end and I, they've, as it stands on paper, their best chance to be the most successful defensive unit they can is with Gordon or Brisker starting. I think that's generally understood, but I think they also understand that with a coach like Eberflus, he's going to want you to show him that he was right in thinking that that should be your job. And then, you know, he'll, he'll hand over the reins to the position. So I, I do think that they're going to start. I think the intentions for them to start, but I, I think they're going to want to get some eyes on them in live, some sort of live game situations, uh, more intense practices, whatever, um, just to kind of make sure that their head's in the right space as well. Yeah. Like I think it's very likely that I do like kind of making them earn it to a certain degree, but at some point in time, if you're expecting them to play, they need to be with the first team defense as well. We don't need a scenario of where you're getting three weeks into camp and they're still with the second team defense. Like at some point in time, you need to test. Correct. Them. I don't. I don't mind at this point in time because look, they're rookies. They're like everybody else on the defense has been learning the playbook for the past couple of months since they've been given it. These guys were given the playbook what three and a half weeks ago. So they should be behind the fact that Kyler Gordon is making plays out there and obviously being loose and just being himself is a really good sign for the Bears fans because it means that he's getting used to this defense very, very quickly. And look, it'll take the two of them a bit of time to, I guess, reach the expectations that people have because our expectations on these rookies, it's the same thing with Justin Fields. We use our expectations for what the final product is going to be. But it, that never happens for a while. So it's it's interesting. Tony, same question to you. Do you prefer to see these guys kind of come in early and, I guess, make the mistakes, learn from the mistakes, or would you prefer them to have to earn their way into that kind of starting defense? This is the same question. This is the same uh, sort of conversation that we had last offseason when we were talking about, do you want Justin Fields to go in and start yeah. and learn from his mistakes? and. Yes, every time that's what you want to do. Inevitably, Brisker and Gordon are going to be probably the two starters at strong safety and, and cornerback to mm-hmm. moving forward. Um, so why not just crack on with that? We know in terms of their playing ability, they're better than any other option we've got there at the moment. Um, there's no corner that I would put in instead of Gordon at the moment based on ability. Now, you can't base it all just on ability. You need to base it on experience and all that kind of stuff. But again, that all comes back to, well, how are you going to get experience if you don't play? So why not just put them in, get them going, get them um, in the system entirely and, and and go from there? Because again, the same thing as we said last year, this is a transition year. So why not get these guys as much playing time as possible over this year so that from next season we can go out and make a proper attempt to to do something significant um so for me every single time i would um i I would make that that move and actually just one thing um one of one of our one of our friends of the show roy from the uh three kings uh, he put a tweet earlier on and i just wanted to bring it up as well because people were kind of just going back to this whole defensive back thing and i was taking two defensive backs in, in the second round um, and people were shocked about it. And we, we said all along that it wouldn't be a thing. But he's talking about the type of scheme that we're going to play, which doesn't blitz that much. So you've only really got your four defensive linemen who are, who are going at the quarterback. Everyone else is in coverage is, is in some way or another. 
And the problem with that is that the quarterback's got a lot more time to think about what he's doing and throw the ball. So you need to have good coverage um, at the back. You have to have good defensive backs at the back. You have to, you have to invest in those positions. And that's exactly what they've done this year. Is so, so don't be shocked by it, uh, by, by these two guys coming in. And, and, and that further emphasizes and strengthens the likelihood that these two guys will be starting. Because clearly, the, two, the guys that they already had in place there were not good enough to cover what, what, what was happening last year already. And we had more people blitzing at that point. Okay, so they had more time to kind of to, to, to line up with people and, and get their you know get the roots uh, run properly. So clearly, um, it, is, it was a position of need, and for me that means that if you're bringing in your two your two top uh, draft picks are coming in, they're going to be starters, and there's just there's no doubt in my mind that that's what's going to happen. Brisker is better than Tashawn Gibson, and Gordon is better than. Kendall Vildor or whoever you're going to put out on the other side opposite Jalen Johnson. And you know that. Do you know what I mean? Like, there, there, there isn't even a debate over that. The thing that's, not, that's going to stop that from happening is injury or something along those lines. But these two guys will be the starters in, in, the, in the secondary. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I think, I think that's what everybody expects. And honestly, there was a really good um, comment here that it shows if this does happen this is a very, very interesting draft class because one that Joe has put out here says, wouldn't be surprised to have four of the 11 rookies start. If you found four guys in your rookie class that can start football games for you, you're doing really, really well because normally you're you're looking at your first pick and your second pick are the starters. Your third round pick is, yeah, it can be a productive player. Then the late rounders, you're like kind of, as rookies to normally kind of contribute on special teams or some guys kind of come in and out. So look, I think that would be a really, really good situation. Look, the last rookie um, that we have in, and there's not, we can't really say too much because we haven't really learned that much about him since he's been drafted. And that's Dominique Robinson, but he's an interesting dude because you go back and you do more of an in-depth research into him. He goes from being a quarterback in high school to being recruited to play wide receiver sees kind of the, I guess the productivity of chase young and decides, you know what I want to do? I want to become a pass rusher. And in his final season in college football moves over to the defensive side of the ball. And cause of his freaky athleticism gets picked in the fourth round from the bears. Um, or maybe it was the fifth. I, can't even remember. It was eleven. There was eleven selections when we only expected like five. Um, but he <laughs> he was an interesting. I guess he's an interesting case study because he has all that athleticism that you look for, but he's going to need to be refined. He's very very raw. So I guess a similar situation in in this. And I guess Adam, what do you want to see from? Robinson in 2022 like I don't think anybody expects him to get meaningful playing time but is it just be on course like Travis Gibson was where in his rookie season didn't really play until like the final two three weeks and showed a little bit of promise and then in the second year last year was able to be that kind of I guess 
he switched in and out with Khalil Mack, and when Khalil Mack got injured, comes in, gets whatever it was, seven and a half sacks, and now everybody's feeling really good about Travis Gibson. Is that kind of the pathway we want to see from Dominic Robinson, or do we want to see him just try and compete? Because, look, at the end of the day, we need him to be prepared for whenever Robert Quinn is gone because if you can have a Dominique Robinson and a Travis Gibson, two guys on rookie deals as your two pass rushers that can be productive, then you're in a really good situation. Yeah, and that's the ticket right there is is Robert Quinn, what they do with him. Obviously, we've seen a lot of conflicting reports, including Robert Quinn saying he wants to stay here and then reports saying he doesn't want to stay here. And, you know, obviously that's the offseason. We know how it goes, especially with our lovely national media. Um, but you know, you, you've got a lot of depth at, at the edge position. So that, that gives him a little bit of a cushion, which is great for a fifth rounder. You know, for me, success would be seeing some meaningful reps and not being washed out of every play. Uh, obviously if you move Quinn, those meaningful reps might move up, but them signing Al-Qadeen Muhammad this off season, uh, having Travis Gibson, they've still got, uh, I believe Atachu still on the roster and then noted yeah, soccer yeah. enthusiast, Charles Snowden, uh, is also on the roster at this point, but you know, there, there's, he just loves there's a lot of, it. he just loves it, loves it, loves it. Uh, but there, you know, there's, there's a lot of guys that aren't going to force currently as the roster stands that aren't going to force him to play if he's not ready, which is a great thing to have. What I'm hearing is that he, this guy is absolutely a coach's dream. Um, so, you know, I think he could surprise a lot of us and get some time a little bit earlier. Obviously Gibson didn't come in with a lot of, uh, flash, a lot of fanfare and everything. Um, people were coming out of the woodworks talking about this guy when we drafted him about how, you know, they didn't want to put a, a, a big grade on him because they didn't know enough, but athletically, this guy is just an absolute freak. Um, you know, losing, losing Leonard Floyd, we're seeing a lot of comps to him. Uh, if we can get some semblance of that here on this defense from a fifth round pick in a, a year where he's probably not expected to play much. That would be awesome to see him grow into that within the next two or three seasons. So, you know, for me, success would be just, just those meaningful snaps going out there, looking like you belong. He's really only played the position for a year. Uh, and when they asked him about it, he just said, you know, I, I have a lot more fun hitting people. So, you know, his, his mindset was he went from cornerback to wide receiver and then decided that he would much rather hit someone. And again, much like our talk about Kyler Gordon, that's that's going to absolutely light Bears fans up. We're going to be gassed up about this guy the first time we see him lay someone out. So, um, you know, I'm not expecting much. I'm going in there for some, for someone like him. It's definitely a developmental year. But if we can see some meaningful reps, I think that would be a huge success. Tony, you know what's going to happen, right? We're going to get to the preseason. And he's going to become this like cult hero, like it seems like Charles Snowden and Sam Kamara <laughs> were last year. And everybody wanted them coming in and everyone was freaking out when both of them like didn't make the 53 and they're like, oh, they're going to get picked up by another team. Like, I feel like what's going to happen is he's going to have some ridiculous plays in the preseason and people are going to be like, he needs to be. He needs to be in the rotation. He needs to be ahead of Jeremiah Tochu. He needs to be ahead of the guys from last year. But look, I think if he can be look, if you have Travis Gibson, you've Robert Quinn, and one of the veterans that you still have available behind. Look, actually, I always forget about Al Qadim Muhammad. Just kind of came in. He could be starting, and Travis Gibson may be one of those rotational guys. If you can have a Travis Gibson and if Dominique Robinson can like develop throughout the season and become that kind of switch up player on the other side, 
you're in a very good situation to where none of your pass rushers are getting overly tired during the game and there's a constant energy at the edge position which is what you need that's the one thing that you look at all these guys and you don't look at Robert Quinn you don't look at Travis Gibson al Muhammad, and we hope Robinson none of them seem to half-ass it they all go 100 miles an hour every single play and that's what you want to see so look what would a what would a successful rookie campaign be for you for for this kid because again we in fairness, we don't know that much about him. We are believing what scouts tell us. And the few games you can see online that he has the athletic profile to excel at the position, but he just doesn't have enough reps at the position to feel confident that he's definitely going to be a success. Taking the Robinson in the fifth round is great value because he is clearly just an absolute athlete. You know, and people at that point in the draft, a lot of times you're 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 drafting for for traits, athletic traits. So taking a guy like that, based on his history, uh, was was a good move by the Bears. So obviously we know he played quarterback, he's wide receiver. He only switched to the end in 2020. You know, this mm-hmm. is only two years ago, and he is now a professional defensive end in the NFL. You know, like that is that blows my mind. The fact that he's just moved over and started doing it. Um, you know, it's in 2020. I think he only played three games. Didn't get didn't get a lot of a lot of production at the back of it. Fast forward to 2021, he plays 13 games as a starter. Um, he gets you know five sacks or something like that. Um, nearly nine. I think it was nine tackles for a loss or something like that. Um, you know, for for someone who's making that transition only a year before into that situation. It's impressive. Didn't get a lot of, yeah, he didn't get a lot of playing time the first year. The second year, they went, right, okay, you've had a year, you've learned a bit more, let's start you, and he's had a successful season. That's really, really impressive. So for me, I'm looking at it and going, well, if he comes in in 2022 at the Bears, obviously he's not going to be a starter, but he comes in and he gets some reps, uh, he gets he gets um, exposure to the position, gets proper professional coaching in there as well, um, and then, you know, just come, comes in and out, you know, if he gets a sack or whatever here and there, that's fine. But for me, if he can just get that sort of development, have that hope that, again, going back to this transition year, having that development and then going into 2023, feeling a lot better. I mean, you, you just have to look at his track record and you have to say, well, he seems like the type of guy who's just going to fall into that position and be successful as well, just based off the fact that he's an absolute athletic freak. Um there was actually a lot of a lot of players had them rated. Uh, sorry, a lot of um, uh, draft folk had had them rated as, as in the third round. You know, yeah. just again based purely based off the fact that he's um, he's just so athletic and he's just able to apparently take, put his hand to anything he wants to to do. Um, so it's really really impressive. But the other thing I wanted to come back to just very quickly was what you mentioned, Kieran, in regards to um, it'd be great if we have two guys at either side who are able to contribute. You can get that rotation going, and the quality of play doesn't drop off. And that's the thing that we've been missing here is that depth, a quality depth in the team. We've had quality first um, first tier players, but when it when it comes to the backups, you know, there's been a clear drop off. And that's something I think Ryan Poles has went in and identified immediately. He's seen it in the offensive line. He's been in. He's brought in uh, a few free agencies, four in the draft as well. You know, they're, they're wanting to build strength and depth in this team and those that starts on both lines 
uh, for each side of the ball. Um, so I think if if you can get this season for Robinson, if you can have a, a good learning curve this year, where maybe towards the end of the season he comes in, he gets a few more reps, even maybe towards the end of the season if someone goes down injured, you can come in and get some starter reps. Great. You know, that's what you want. I think he, him and Travis Gibson, are the kind of future at the end for me. Uh, I don't think al Qadim Mohamed is going to be a long-term guy. I think he's here just now. It's just to patch things over until, uh, because he's familiar with everything in terms of the Eberflus defense. Um, as a patch over, I think Gibson and Robson are going to be the future. Obviously, Robert uh, Quinn's going to be gone probably next year. Um, and then mm-hmm. you just keep you just keep building on that. You just keep bringing in more quality depth. So expect to see more defensive ends brought in the next year's draft as well. Um, they might even you know put a big splash out on a free agent. You never know. But um, I uh, I'm I'm, con- I'm confident. I feel good about Gibson. There's a lot to prove for Robinson, obviously, but the traits are there and they're really impressive. Yeah, exactly. And the interesting thing is with. Eberflus, he's never been a coach that's needed this insanely brilliant pass rush, right? They right. They, they used a rookie last year in Quiddy Pay as one of their defensive ends, and they had Tyquan Lewis on the other side. And then you had like a bunch of guys that rotated in. You had like Kamoko Ture, Al Kadim Muhammad, who we've seen, Isaac Rochelle, and all these guys were they were rotational guys, but it wasn't that there was one absolute stalwart defensive end that you'd be like, you need to stop him on every single play. And the Bears have that in Robert Quinn when he's healthy. Now, it depends on how long he lasts. Where I've I had this conversation, obviously, during the week when everybody was talking about, will Robert Quinn still be here? Does he want to stay? Does he want to go? I'm like, at this point in time, I don't see a point in trading him because draft's over. You're not really getting... You're not going to get the maximum value. You may as well hope that he's having a really good season and trade him at the deadline and get some picks that way. Um, especially considering you can, if you really wanted to eat some money, you could to get a better pick because you're going to have so much uh, cap space in the 2023 season. So it's an interesting one there. But look, the one thing we want to do is we want to do an analysis of the defense. When we finish that, I'll just do a, a quick comparison to what Eberflus had last year. So we can give it a, a pretty good representation of what we have on this team. And realistically, early on in the season, the strength of this team is going to be the defense. So let's see how kind of we go on. And we can have all these in banners, so it'll be easy enough for us all to see. Now, this first position, I actually think, is a big problem for the Bears' defense. And... I expect there's going to be some changes here, but it's at defensive tackle, right? Right now we've Justin Jones. Oh, I have Jones in there twice. That's my bad. Um, I will. I'm gonna delete one. <laughs> I didn't even realize I had him in there. Obviously, going to, but that makes it even worse. It's not even two of them. Um, here we go. So we have Justin Jones, Kyrie Tonga, Lakeo London, Angelo Blackson. We have Robinson. Um. You have Treadway, Alufahey. Um, look, there's not really a lot there, right? We, it's a big problem, and the Bears know it because they saw they signed Ogunjobi at the beginning of the offseason, and from there, nothing really 
happened after his injury. You got Justin Jones coming in, Kyrie's Tonga. It's probably Jones, Tonga, and Blackson at this point in time. I'd be very surprised if the Bears don't kind of, I guess, try and improve this side of things. Look, Adam, we've mentioned multiple times three techniques really important. Nas tackle as well. You have with I think Kyrie's Tonga is good, but again, you can improve there, especially when you compare what the Bears had at defensive tackle last year. It's a big difference. And when we look at the cold step chart, and I'll, I'll kind of go through this as we talk because I think it's important because you have your three technique and then you have your nose tackle, right? Nose tackle, I think, is okay with Kyrie's Tonga because nose tackle for the Colts last year, they had um, you have Grover Stewart and Antoine Woods. Again, I think it's pretty much of a wash there. But then you had, this is where the difference is. They had DeForest Buckner, Chris Williams, and Taylor Stallworth were their kind of three three techniques at that at that point in time. So what's your opinion when you see that and you see DeForest Buckner was like a difference-making three technique and the Bears don't really have that. Right now you have probably Justin Jones and Kyrie Tonga with maybe Blackson being the only viable backup. Yeah, I mean, Blackson and Tonga were kind of pressed into duty last year. They they did fairly well for, you know, what we were expecting of them. Um, Tonga, I think he's a guy that if he can clean up the penalties, he he could be a pretty solid, I don't want to say good, but solid nose tackle in a defense with a lot of strength around him. Um, Justin Jones, obviously he's not Larry Ogunjobi, but if he's another one. If he can stay healthy, he he could be somewhat of a difference maker up there, at least enough to not let you re- not show you how much of a hole there was at three technique before. So we've seen several times, you know, signing guys off the street and uh, whether it's the, the line coach or whatever, they're coaching these guys up and they get a sack or two for a couple of weeks and then they get hurt. The next guy comes in and you don't even know they're missing. Now it's going to be much more integral to the Eberflus defense. Um, you know, Justin Jones isn't going to light the world on fire, but I think that he's going to open a lot of, or surprise a lot of people as long as he can stay healthy because he is a reliable guy. He does get, he, he's pretty good on the run defense. He can get to the quarterback um, and he's a good physical player. So he, he's not what you hoped you were getting in Ogunjobi, but uh, you know, I think you could do a lot worse than him. Obviously the wild card is going to be at that nose spot with Blackson and Tonga. Um, you know, can they take that step from last year or was last year kind of the peak of who they are? And I think that's going to be interesting because you always hear about Eberflus coaching guys up and really taking them to that next step, whether they want to get there or not. Yeah, it's an interesting one, Tony. And I want to bring you in here because really the guys, and I put Robinson just in here just because we don't really know what the Bears are planning for him just yet. He's most likely going to be an edge. So really it's Jones, Tonga, London, Blackson. I'm not, I'm this guy's name, Alufa Hay and Treadway, right? Treadway is the UDFA from, from this year. So maybe they see something in him. But other than that, you have Lakeo London, who was a UDFA last year. Maybe he's a guy that they they see something in and they might want to kind of build up a little bit. You have Blackson, which we saw a little bit of. Like They may play Mario Edwards Jr. on the inside. Um, but like other than that, I, I find it's difficult to really feel a sense of this is a position of strength on this Bears defense because there's really not a lot there to to feel very good about. And this is why I think this will be a position that you'll see the Bears as training camp goes in that they will be going after and they'll be kind of going in for. So what's your opinion on that? 
Yeah, I think the plan E uh, fell fell through with Ogan Joby um, not not joining up, um, and they've also had to settle for Justin Jones. Um, I obviously is not 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 as effective a player uh, that they're getting in Jones, and I think that further strengthens that argument about um, you know obviously with the scheme you're relying solely on the four guys at the front uh, rushing the passer, so you have to then have something better at your defensive back position to to to, to make up for the fact that, that these people are not not having as big an impact. Um, and I think if you look at the guys that we have in terms of the interior defensive line. You could argue, you could say that arguably they're not going to have as big an impact, in te- especially in terms of the three technique. Um, you know, Justin Jones definitely isn't a DeForest Buckner. Um, he doesn't make the same impact in terms of his numbers. Um, he's in, ter- in terms of their s- sort of weight, they're roughly around about the same. But I think DeForest Buckner's like six foot seven or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Like he's just like a total kind of different, uh, different sort of animal, if you like. Um, and in terms of your kind of three six, technique, seven, and what yeah, there you go. I mean, like Justin Jones is about six one, six two, something like that. And I know the height's not everything, but it's certainly you know you just have to look at the athletic traits of the Forrest Buckner and and you know you know what you're not getting in him by having Justin Jones in there. So I think three technique didn't didn't go the way they expected it to go, and I think that mm-hmm. was reflected in terms of the defensive back positions that were taken early in the draft. Um, you know, there wasn't a three technique for them that was that was good enough to take at that point, and they obviously felt more that they needed to take the defensive back for the reason that I mentioned. But in terms of, I mean, obviously Jones is the starter, um, and I think probably Tonga uh, will play alongside them. Tonga's obviously still got a lot to, to prove, but he had he had a decent outing last year in terms of his rookie year, so it'll be interesting to see how that develops. Um, I think uh, Mario Edwards Jr. will be the, the backup three technique um and uh, and he'll he'll rotate and occasionally um but i think that's definitely we know how, how important that is in this scheme and for Eberflus. so i think that is definitely a position that will be addressed next off season um yeah. and a much bigger impact will be made than this so they tried to make the impact this year but it didn't work out now who knows ogan joey might still be a thing you know, we mm-hmm. might get to we might get to August time, and all of a sudden, Nogi Joby's in there, and you know, he comes in in a short term, one year deal for a lot less money, just you know, to see how things work out, make sure the injury's not a, as big a concern as it was. We already we already know he's been visiting a couple of teams. I think he might have yeah. visited the Jets. Um, so obviously he's he's, he's kind of getting out and about there. So I think Poles probably has his eye on that still, and it'll be interesting to see how that develops. But um. It's a position. It's 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 a it's a position that I worry about in the sense that there's a lot of uh, inexperience there, and there's a lot of Plan Bs in there, and it's such an important thing as well because, as you, as I've mentioned, those are the four guys that you're relying on to get to the quarterback more than anybody else. So if they're not getting the job done, you then have to rely more on your linebacker core and obviously the defensive backs getting the job done in terms of making big plays. So. Um, it'll be interesting to see how, how it works out, but it's definitely a position that I think will need to be improved next year. Um, Eberflus has definitely taken a step back in terms of the quality he's got available to him. Yeah, and yeah. the interesting one is that obviously we've had 
people talking about is there a potential that Ogunjobi comes back? There's been others that have been kind of vying for Akeem Hicks to come back, and there's other names out there. I think the Bears are not done at this position. I won't be surprised if you see them kind of cut down on one other position and bring in another defensive tackle in there. And look, there's a potential that they may kind of put Mario Edwards Jr. on the inside, like some of the guys in the comments have been mentioning. That is an idea that you could use, and then you have a little bit more depth there. And look, that is important. Um, but from I, there, I think this also, I think this also, just just very quickly finish up, I think this also emphasizes the, the reason why um, Robert Quinn's still there and he hasn't been traded because mm-hmm. of the, the sheer impact that you can get from that one player when you have un, uncertainties and, and things that you're not sure of with the other three. So I think that's another big reason as to why he's still on the team and he hasn't been moved on. Yeah, absolutely. So with that, what we'll do is we'll move on to kind of your pass rushers, defensive ends. So we have Robert Quinn, Travis Gibson, again, Edwards Jr., Robinson, Atauchu, Kamara, Snowden, Al-Kadeen Muhammad, and Chase Taylor, who's the kind of latest UDFA. So you have a lot of pass rushers here, right? So you have Robert Quinn, Probably Al-Kadim Muhammad's the other starter at, right now. I'd say he's penciled in because he knows the defense already. You have a Travis Gibson and a Mario Edwards Jr. He could possibly move on the inside. Jeremiah Tauchu got the two-year deal last year, got injured early on in, in camp and really didn't get a chance after that because he was out for the entire season. You have Robinson. We've spoken about that. And then there's the two guys that Bears fans love. They love a bit of Charles Snowden. They love some Sam Kamara. Look, before before I kind of bring it over to you, I think this is where the Bears have an edge over the Colts from last year. So we, we clearly spoke that the defensive tackles, you would definitely put the Colts from 21 having a serious advantage there because of DeForest Buckner, right? But then when you look at the depth chart from 2021 at defensive end, I mentioned it earlier on the show, but we have Quiddy Pay, who was a, a rookie last year, on one side. You had Taekwon Lewis on the other. You had a rotation on one side of Kamoko Ture, al Muhammad, and on the other side, sometimes al Muhammad played on either kind of the left defensive end, right defensive end, but also you had Isaac Rochelle, who was primarily just the rotational guy kind of there to kind of stop the run. Wasn't really much of a pass rusher. Um, But when you look at, when you kind of talk about that, and then you see some of the names here that the Bears have, you have a Robert Quinn, you have a Travis Gibson, Mario Edwards Jr., Al-Kadim Muhammad has moved over, Jeremiah Tauchu, who was good for the Chargers when he was used as that rotational piece. So Adam... What's your opinion of the pass rush that the Bears have? Obviously, you lose a Khalil Mack, so you lose the the cachet from the position. But again, he was missing for the majority of the season. I think he played six games. Now, he had a good amount of sacks in those six games, so you do need to replace him at some point. But a lot of people feel confident that a guy like Travis Gibson or maybe a Al-Qadim Muhammad can do that within this system. Yeah, uh, losing Mac, you lost a name. That's really, when we traded for him, there was a lot of hype that came with him. He had a great first game. He had a, a really strong first season. And then through injuries and, and you know, whatever else, it just seemed like he wasn't getting to the quarterback as much. Uh, you lose it, it, it sucks. But at the end of the day, Travis Gibson stepped in and looked every, every bit the part. So 
you know, getting a guy like him to to potentially get those starter reps. You know, you look at Al-Qadeen Muhammad last year, you talk about the Indianapolis defense. Started all 17 games, six sacks, 48 tackles, 13 QB hits. He was second on the team in QB hits. So it's a guy where, you know, as we're going through these these players, we're kind of talking about, you know, Muhammad came in and he's he's somewhat of a forgotten guy as you're listing these names. But then you take a look at the numbers and you realize that there's a reason he got brought in from the head coach's previous team, because those numbers definitely stand out when you look up and down this this Indianapolis Colts stat sheet. So, you know, I, I'm very comfortable having him there. I'm excited about Travis Gibson, Robert Quinn, obviously, if he stays the whole year. He's a disruptor. And and as he goes, you know, the, the pass rush is going to go at, at this point. Like you said, that's part of the big reason you keep him. It's hard to say that you're really shoring up the defense this year to help Justin Fields development and then get rid of Robert Quinn and potentially start a guy like Robinson um, when, you know, that that definitely will fo- force the defense to take a step back. So, you know, you've got a really good quality starters there in, in Quinn and Gibson expecting a huge year from Gibson. You know, hopefully he's ready to fill those shoes. Obviously, he will not very likely not be the next Khalil Mack. We can put that to bed right now, but (laughs) if he can get to the quarterback, be a reliable, be a reliable pass rusher, you know, he was able to fill those shoes last year unexpectedly. So if he can show some growth again this year, again, that's the, for, for competency being my one word of the summer growth is going to be the other one, because that's, that's what we're banking on right now. We've seen a little bit from him. Now, what can you do next? I think Edwards kicks it inside. Um, Atachu, like you said, as a role player, a, a rotational, that's going to be huge for them if he can stay healthy. I was jacked when we signed him last year. Unfortunately, we were robbed of the privilege of watching him rotate in and out. Um, you know, Kamara, Snowden, Taylor, these guys, their bodies, they're, they're, they're kept around so far. They stuck around, you know, last year. We've seen them in limited duty. Uh, I know that Kamara and Snowden last year in uh, in preseason were, were those big names that, you know, let's see him more. And when, when, when Mac gets hurt, let's see what these guys can do. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of potential in this room, but at the front end of the room with, with Quinn Gibson, um, you know, you're, you're, you're sitting pretty with your, your two starters. So I, I like it. When you look at the Colts roster, there's not a lot of big names there either. And you saw the successes they had. And that's what gets me excited about it. Again, it's just a coaching staff that seems to know how to put these players in the best position to succeed. Yeah, same for same for yourself, Tony. It's it's a good comparison when we look at this, and we mentioned it before. Iberflus has never had to have that cachet. We mentioned it before the cachet um, edge rusher. He's never really had that on his defense, but yet his defense has always been able to disrupt the quarterback, whether that be from the inside, whether that be they don't blitz that much, right? In, in Iberflus's defense, they want everything pretty much in front of them, making it easier like we keep hearing about when jalen johnson was talking you're saying the difference from this defense to the last defense that he was on is it's much more looking at the quarterback reading the quarterback and you're going to see that with the pass rush it's not just going to be a relentless pass rush it's going to be rushing the passer but in a more intelligent way yeah that's exactly and um uh, yeah I think in terms, of, it's definitely an upgrade for him, uh, player-wise. Uh, I think you just have to look at Robert Quinn right away, and you know, for a guy, you know, twelve months ago that we were all saying was terrible and needed to be traded, um, came out last year and had a great year, and and hopefully, you know, he continues that. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to go out there and get a number of sacks, but you know, certainly, certainly up there in the in the the kind of double figures anyway would be my hope. Um, 
So I think he's he's looking at that situation and thinking, I've got Robert Quinn, I've got Travis Gibson, who's came out there and had a great um, kind of first first outing um, in terms of a starter. Um, you know, and then he's got some other guys behind him that that you can look at. Obviously, Mohammed uh, is is who he's familiar with, and, and we've seen that he can do the job well as well. So there's he's at least got three bodies in there that he can feel confident that can go in and be better than what he had there last year. Um, and I think that will compensate the fact that there are some uncertainties at defensive tackle and, 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 and the three technique. Um, but we'll, we'll wait and see what happens. But I think it's a really good point, though, about the um, you know intelligence and all this kind of stuff, because we've talked about it on the offense, and the scheme is going to be very important. You know, we've, we've talked about how um, Iberflus has went to the Colts and had very, very average players and maybe one or two great players sprinkled in there as well, um, and made a really success, uh, a successful kind of gear out of the defense. You know, it brought them from the kind of basement of the NFL up to up to the kind of uh, mid-teens um, in a year. Um, and again, a lot of that's to do with the, with the scheme, a lot of that's to do with the coaching approach. Um, so I think um, the defense, there's parts of the defense that, that still need some work um, moving forward, but I think... It's certainly serviceable for what Iberflus will want to do um, in terms of in terms of defense line and defensive end. Yeah, absolutely. And look, this is where it's interesting because, like, it's a when you look at the defensive line, it's just a different way where maybe the strengths of the Bears' defensive line is going to be coming more from the outside, while with the Colts last year is more the inside, and it's very similar to when we. Move back to the linebackers. So I'll go to the Colts first until before we go to the Bears, right? So obviously everybody sees Darius Leonard, one of the best inside linebackers in the NFL, right? Then you had Zaire Franklin and Bobby Okariki, who were the other two starting linebackers for them. Then you had uh, Matthew Adams, you have Jordan Glasgow, and EJ Speed, who is kind of a UDFA, I believe it was like two years ago. But again, he made a couple of good plays. He was more of a special teamer. Um, but again, those were the, the main guys that made the roster for the Colts last year. Now, if we want to compare that to the Bears, look, a lot of people like to compare Darius Leonard and Roquan Smith, two fantastic players, right? But then when you look at it, you have a Nicholas Morrow, so you're hoping that he's going to be able to stay healthy. Matthew Adams, who was one of the backups for the Indianapolis Colts last year, Caleb Johnson, who was a UDFA last year, but made the 53-man roster from the very beginning of the season and was on it for the entirety of the season. That's really, really impressive for a guy that nobody really knew of before really he started making plays at training camp and in some of those preseason games. But then the problem is after those guys, so after Roquan, Nicholas, Morrow, Matthew Adams, and Caleb Johnson, it's a bunch of guys really with not a lot of experience not a lot of i guess like where people would be confident that they could come in and make plays right so it'd be interesting to see if the bears target anybody here when cutdown starts to begin because you've jack sanborn who one of the one of the writers on on our website actually wrote a really good article on jack thinking that he could be a potential that could stick He's probably one of those UDFAs, very similarly to Caleb Johnson, that could make this roster that if he puts himself in the right position when it gets to 
cut down if he makes the plays in the training camp. He could be one of those depth pieces because you're going to keep more linebackers than you normally do because obviously when in the old system versus now, you've Noah Dawkins, Joe Thomas, not the left tackle, unfortunately, and Christian Albright, CJ Avery. Again, Christian Albright, a lot of people are raving about him as a UDFA signing, but again, there's not really much experience there, right? So we have Roquan, Nicholas Marl, Matthew Adams, and Caleb Johnson, which I think a lot of people can feel pretty good about where they could come in and they could make plays, right? And they can be legitimate linebackers for this team. But the problem is you're going to need depth there as well for when one of these guys does go down. When I look at it, it's it's similar in terms of the Colts and I guess in terms of when you compare them, but I do think that I would say the Colts in 21 would have a better linebacker core when you have a guy like even Zaire Franklin and Okariki, those are two very, very good linebackers and they meshed well with Darius Leonard. And you can kind of say, if you want to say Darius Leonard and Roquan are a bit of a wash, but they're two all pro level players. But then after that, it's, I think the bears have a lot of uncertainty. Nicholas Morrow, can he stay healthy? If he doesn't stay healthy, you're in a bit of trouble because Matthew Adams was a backup for Indy. Caleb Johnson hasn't really proved that he can be a full-time starter because he was that rotational guy last year and got to play towards the end of the season. So with that in mind, uh, Adam, what's what's kind of your opinion of the linebacker situation right now? There's a bunch of names, but not a lot of production there. Well, the exciting thing about the Eberflus defense is between Okariki and Leonard, they had 254 combined tackles last year. Um, so you, you kind of look at that, and and we're talking, obviously, Smith and Morrow are kind of the only, I don't want to say sure things, but really the only ones on paper that seem like they've got starting jobs locked down uh, with Roquan playing the weak side and uh, Morrow during their camp was taking the calls and playing middle. Uh, the, the nice thing about that is Eberflus has already come out several times and said, that his defense won't really rely on the strong side linebacker as much. They're going to do a lot more uh, secondary play. Yeah. So the lack of a, an extra name there kind of doesn't bother you as much as it would in a, a true defense that's going to rely on on a lot of strong side linebacker play. Um, but like you said, that that depth isn't comfortable. And getting a guy like Morrow, who's been very injury prone, uh, you know, by all accounts, he he could be a real good ball player. But you got to stay on the field to prove that you could be a really good ball player. It's exciting to see those two guys there. Beyond that, there's not really much. You know, obviously another guy like Matthew Adams following Eberflus over. You know, the CEO leaves and brings some of his best employees with him to the new company. Uh, obviously, he sees something in him to want him to come there, whether it's to it just help install his defense or if he actually is a usable body when he is healthy. But yeah, beyond probably those three, uh, Sanborn, he could make some noise, but that the lack of athleticism in a league that's really, really skewing athletic now um, that's, that could be a very big deficiency for him. So I think I saw a comment somewhere, you know, special teams at best. Um, you know, if he's a, if he's a depth linebacker and he never really sees the field, there we go. Uh, depth linebacker and he never really sees the field outside of, um, you know, emergency situations and special teams. That's great, but I'm not going to rely on him to, to play any meaningful snaps. Uh, most of these other guys, it's going to be, you know, prove it, find your spot on the roster, but Talent-wise, our top two guys, they could definitely compete in a, a two-linebacker system. They can play really well. You know, Okariki's a guy where you, you didn't really hear about him a ton, and then all of a sudden you're looking, and every game he's got 15, 20 tackles. So, uh, again, is that talent-rich? Is that scheme-rich? Is it somewhere in the middle? 
Uh, so I'm excited to see a, a guy like Roquan in this defense. Uh, Flew said he's tailor-made for the will. He reminds him of Derek Brooks. <laughs> if this guy can be Derek Brooks in this defense, sign me the heck up. Hell yes. Like that, Those are the things that you're looking for. And look, Tony, the, the interesting thing is we mentioned all these names, right? So see, there's a CJ Avery. You have a Christian Albra, two UDFA guys. We saw what Caleb Johnson did last year. The one thing I like about Christian Albra is it seems like unlike Jack Sanborn, he does have the athleticism to be able to play those positions. And that, and that's going to be an interesting one to see if he matches up there. And this is going to be one of those positions I think Bears fans are going to concentrate on when it hits camp. Who's going to be able, once those starters leave in the preseason, who are going to be the guys that can step up? Or is it going to be a position where the Bears are going to be looking very closely when it does come down to that final cut down and, yeah, get your 53, but then 24 hours later, three guys get cut and three other guys come in. So what what's your thoughts on the linebacker situation? Yeah, it's definitely a, a situation where I feel that if you take away the starters, you've got a lot of kind of question marks over what's what's behind there. So um, in terms of preseason, uh, that'll go a long way to, um, you know, settling the nerves or maybe increasing them uh, based on what we see. Um, but I think, you know, obviously we've got the both June first cuts coming up in a week or so. I think mm-hmm. you'll maybe maybe see some moves at that position. Um, because to be honest with you, outside the Smith and Morrow, you really only need two starting linebackers because the, the Sam doesn't normally play too much. You'll only have the kind of nickel uh, defensive back coming down. Um, so you got it's Smith more and, the depth, I think. It is the depth because if you look at it though, if you say you only you only need two most of the time, you still got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys behind the first first two guys. So you think, oh great, well you've got a lot of depth there, but the problem is, is there's a lot of guys in there that you don't know a lot about. Um, you know, fair enough, Matthew Adams and 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 guy and Joe Thomas and guys like that have have, have played and for for years and and you know they've got experience and depth kind of thing, but can they have the same same impact as the likes of Roquan Smith? No, they can't have the same impact. But then again, it's entirely difficult to have two Roquan Smiths on your team. Uh, exactly. That's never going to happen, you know. So um, so you know, you just have to hope that the the, the season goes well and and that and Smith stays healthy and and, and Morrow does as well. But the thing is, as you mentioned, Kieran, it's you've got Nicholas Morrow coming in who's had major injury issues he, he didn't play last year at all um and you're relying on him to be your 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 kind of middle linebacker um if he goes down are you comfortable with the guys that are going to be behind him i don't know um i've got i don't know loads about them if i'm entirely honest with you um so that's certainly something that you'd have to look into but i think um there is a position that i would see them trying to add to at some point between now and september um, probably sooner rather than later with the with the cuts coming up yeah, absolutely. And look, I think this is where the Bears do have a, a big edge on the Colts. I think I said defensive tackle, I would say Colts have the from 21 had the edge over the Bears. You look at the pass rush, it's definitely the Bears. I think linebackers, you can look at the Colts. But when you look at both the corners and the safeties, this is where you have, I think the Bears do have, I'm, su- I'm surprised that I'm even saying this because of how bad the, the Bears were last year in the defensive backfield. But look, I'll mention the Colts first. Going into last year, 
the Colts two starting corners or three starting, I'll include the nickel in this, is Rocky Sin and Xavier Rose were the two outside corners. You had Kenny Moore playing the basically the slot. And then really you had TJ Carey, Andre Kacheri, and Isaiah Rogers. Like there's nothing there that you're too enamored with. And then when you look at the Bears corners, you've Jalen Johnson, Kyler Gordon, Thomas Graham Jr., Tavon Young, Duke Shelley, Kendall Vildor, Lamar Jackson, again, not the quarterback, um, Bob Keys, Ali Green, uh, Jalen Jones, Michael Joseph, Greg Stroman, um, and then AJ Thomas. Now, interesting ones here, right? So Jalen Johnson, Kyler Gordon, we're expecting to be the outside guys. And then there's probably a, a very intense battle for whoever's going to be that nickel corner. Right, so you've Thomas Graham Jr. Tavon Young probably has the lead on most of these guys. Duke Shelley and maybe Kindle Vildor, but Vildor is now in a position to where he's at the point of actually where he should be. He should be that backup to one of the guys, whether it be on the inside or the outside, and can learn from that. So there's interesting ones there. Obviously, you have a bunch of UDFA guys coming in. You had Ali Green, you had Jalen Jones. Michael Joseph seems like he's been on this team for so long. He was a UDFA, it seems like six years ago at this at this point. Greg Stroman came in. I know he's kind of bounced around the league. AJ Thomas was a guy that came in as a tryout and ended up getting signed and other guys getting cut. So obviously he's shown something. Um, Lamar Jackson was a UDFA last year, I believe. Um, and yeah, so it's an interesting group here, but... Look, at this point in time, you'd probably expect it to be kind of Jalen Johnson, Kyler Gordon, Thomas Graham Jr., Tavon Young, Duke Shelley, Kendall Vildor, and maybe one other might squeeze in there. So, look, Tony, I'll start with you this time. When we look, when we compare these two, I think the Bears clearly have an advantage here, especially by drafting a guy like Kyler Gordon. Thomas Graham Jr. having another year of kind of learning under his belt. Tavon Young if healthy, can be a very successful nickel corner. And then you have two other guys that have been starters for this Bears team. Maybe they shouldn't have been starters and they should be rotational guys, but this year they may be in Duke Shelley and Kendall Vildor. So what's your opinion overall of the cornerbacks on this roster? Yeah, I think this has probably went from the one of the weakest points of the defense to potentially one of the strongest points in the defense. Um, and I say potentially because obviously we still need to see what's going to happen in terms of Gordon and, you know, the progression of Thomas Graham and guys like that. But even just having Tavon Young come in, if he can stay healthy um, in the slot, I mean, he's just surefire right in there. You can rely on him to get the job done. Um, I think Jalen Johnson is going to have a better year if Kyler Gordon's playing as well, because um, we statistic the thing is, you, you know, he had a good year, but they all come back to the, the stats line and the kind of numbers and all this kind of thing. But people weren't throwing at Jalen Johnson as much as they were looking over the other side of the field and going, well, there's Kendall Vildor, or there's Duke Shelley or whoever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? So if you're doing that, then then obviously you're not going to see much of the ball in the same way. But I think if you've got a dual threat there at cornerback and Kyler Gordon is, well, I can't throw in that direction because we know how athletic he is. Oh, but there's Jalen Johnson over there. I'm going to have to throw one or the other. I mean, so I think you're going to you're going to see an uptick in terms of his stat line. Um, so I, I'm really I feel really good about this uh, this room, and I feel like based on the deficits of the 
the rest of the the, the defense, the parts of the defense rather, that you're going to see them called into action quite often. Um, I'm curious to see how Thomas Graham develops. Um, you know, you know, we're big fans of, of Thomas on the show, and you know, it'd be great to see him um, get out there and, and get a bit more time when he played that. You know, that first game against the Vikings last year, he looked absolutely phenomenal in his debut, and we thought, you know, this is the start of things to come. And then, you know, Matt Nagy just decided, no, you're not playing anymore. Um, you know, it's baffling decisions. Um, but you know, Tom James, a guy with with a ton of upside, and you know, we've heard stories about how he doesn't practice very well and and all this kind of stuff, and that's maybe why he doesn't play. I don't know. None of us are actually in the rooms. We can only go what other people are telling us. But um, you know, if that's the case, then you can understand. But the guy clearly has this, you know, the, the the tools. And again, it's all about having the the right kind of person in his ear. Hopefully, Eberflus and the the new defensive coordinator will be that person who can encourage him to, if there are problems in in in, uh, in uh, practice, that you know, they can iron them out and get him on the field because that's where we've seen him be most effective when he's on the field in front of the bright, the bright lights you know he obviously comes alive and he's, he's he's been great so we're in a situation where we've got good depth now behind the prospective starters you know even you know Duke Shelley isn't a bad uh, player do you know what I mean like he has a good he's good but he's not for me one of the starters but he's certainly a guy that can that should be in there as, as competing um, for, for the, you know the other slot uh, spot Kindle Wilder, you never know that 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 could come well, and then the rest of the guys, again, as you say, if if we get one or two out of them, that are at least good special teams players and, and folk that we can develop along the way as well, then that's great. But I think the the future at cornerback is looking really really bright. Um, a lot of really a lot of excitement over this position as well, and you can hear it when the coaches talk about the corners the corners in the uh, interviews nowadays. You know, they're, they're beaming about Kyler Gordon and what he's doing and, you know, big fans of Jalen Johnson and expecting more from him this year and all this kind of thing. They wouldn't say those things unless they wanted to put that pressure on the guys knowing that they can handle the pressure and that they can step up to the plate and become leaders on this defense. And I think that's exactly what the likes of Johnson, Gordon, Young, Graham, all those guys can do. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, going to be, it's going to be nice to see us be able to not, you know, blow a coverage, hopefully, and, you know, not running at each other and, you know, actually make a play when someone throws at us, you know, because we talked about this being a passing league and needing receivers. Well, you know what? We need cornerbacks as well to stop those passes. So um, hopefully this can uh, spell good news in terms of the scoreboard for us. Yeah, absolutely. Look, Adam, where I want to finish off with you, I'm going to give you the safeties to, to talk a little bit about. If you want to bring in any of the corners and stuff you can as well. Um, but the safeties for, again, the Colts weren't exactly like mind-blowing players. You had Julian Blackman and Kari Willis. You had Marvin Tell and Andre Kacheri again, who kind of played corner slash safety for them last year. Um, but then when we look at the Bears, I know there's been a lot of chat in the actual chat for this video um, about Eddie Jackson. You have Jaquan Brisker, Dane Crookshank was signed as a free agent. DeAndre Houston Carson was signed or was re-signed. We drafted Elijah Hicks, which again, a lot of people are very high on him as if, if Eddie Jackson does go, that he could be someone that in a year or two could step into the starting role there. And then John Alexander came in as a tryout guy and ended up earning himself a three-year contract. So again, a couple of interesting names here. 
a pretty strong group, even in terms of depth pieces, guys that can play special teams. Like I look at this list and like, I wouldn't even be surprised if you saw the majority of these guys stick on the roster. Yeah, there's there's not a lot of players in that safety room, which is going to benefit all of them. And on the on the Eddie Jackson front, I mean, obviously we all acknowledge and understand that he's had a rough last couple of seasons, but so has the defense as a whole. And I think saying that, uh, you know, putting better play, better quality of players around him should in theory, make him play better is going to be huge for this defense. And we kind of talked about it. Uh, I think during the day three draft, Kieran, about, you know, you, you add these defensive players and if they do what they're supposed to do, the people around them are very likely going to fall in line and do what they're supposed to do. And you get that trickle down effect of the whole defense. And we talk about, you know, all the way back down to the defensive line where we don't have a, a very great defensive line. Indianapolis does their secondary isn't as strong in terms of talent and names but their defense helped the secondary out a lot, getting to the quarterback and making the quarterback make a lot of dumb plays. It's going to work the opposite way here. You hear about coverage sacks all the time. If this defense can play as physical and um, like steady as we think they can with these, these players, that's going to help the defensive line all the way down. And that's definitely going to start with guys like Jackson and Brisker. Um, you know, there's not much more we can say about, about Brisker that we haven't already said. He's the type of safety that we haven't had next to Eddie Jackson since Adrian Amos. And, I, as much as I was fine with letting Amos walk, I am very not fine with my decision to be okay with that a long time ago because, you know, it it really, it, it really affected the defense. And I don't know if anyone truly did expect it to, to change things that much, but once he left and we brought in a guy who plays the same as Jackson, then they're both trying to do the same thing. Neither of them are strong at the one thing we can't do. So it it just, it, it, it trickle down through several or a couple of years of play and you're watching the defense get worse because nobody knows what they're supposed to do because there wasn't that one solid thing on the front end or the back end to, to really help the other out. Um, you know, obviously you expect Jackson and Brisker to start Crookshank. I'm really high on, he's another one. If he can stay healthy, he can step up and play a little bit of linebacker. He can play safety. He's very good on that hybrid role. Um, very uh, like Jabril Peppers, where if he steps up at, at linebacker, you're not worried about him getting, you know, rubbed off the play or being washed out by somebody because he has that big physical style. But he's also quick enough where, you know, he can take that extra step at, at safety and do something. DeAndre Houston Carson, there's a reason he keeps sticking around. You know, the, the you, you hear about Ryan Poles. There's a reason he kept sticking around in Kansas City until he got this GM job through regime and regime. And DeAndre Houston Carson, you, you see the same thing that. No matter what coaches come through or anything, the guy's still on the roster because it's when his, he's pressed it's into his play, third regime, isn't it? Because did he get drafted by Phil Emery? I believe he did. Uh, or was it? Or was it? No, one of I the think first, he was a Ryan Pace. I think he was a Ryan was Pace. He, one of, he must have been one of the first Ryan Pace drafts then, because I know that was a. He's been on this team for a very long time, it seems, because he was in that. He was in that draft where they drafted like DeAndre Hall. They had. DeAndre Houston Carson, Dion Bush. Like, I remember it was all the kind of similar names for those guys. I can't remember how long ago that was. It must be six or seven years ago by now. Six Six years. I think it was 2016. Yeah. So, yeah, it would have been Ryan Pace as one of his first draft classes, I believe. Maybe his second draft class. So, yeah, like that's a. He's one, like you mentioned, Adam, he's one that he keeps sticking around because he's that elite special teamer. But when you look at this as a whole, and you mentioned it there, right? Dane Cruikshank he may save you the opportunity where you don't have to get that extra linebacker, right? Cause he can move down there. If you have Eddie Jackson back playing to a 
competent level to where he's not giving up too much. But look, if he is, you have a guy in Elijah Hicks that once he learns this defense, he could end up coming in. There's a, even some of the guys in the chat like are very are big fans of Jonathan Alexander. So he's gonna so Nomad says Jonathan Alexander is gonna challenge Eddie bigger, more physical player. Normally it'd be like oh, he's a UDFA, but the fact that he came in for a tryout and then got signed a three-year contract tells you a lot of what this team thinks of him. Like I said, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Bears go heavy on corner, like we mentioned, and not go heavy on linebacker because that's the way they're probably going to look at this and kind of focus more on the defensive backs. And look, when we actually analyze this as a whole, when I look at it and I see kind of the Bears, if they sign an extra defensive tackle and if they sign another linebacker, I think they're in a pretty good situation. And that's where that's where I'm at at the moment. And look, it's been great being able to kind of talk this through because I think it's good to do this like initial analysis before everything changes and we before we see everything happen in camp. And I think that's going to be something that is interesting to go off. Look, guys, we really appreciate all the comments, all you guys getting involved in the show. It's been a good week to be able to get a little bit of insight. We'll work on trying to get some more on um, the different players as we get through the off season now. Um, we will be doing a show this week. Now, we are probably going to make it a bit more of a laid back, fun show. We've done a couple of these shows before where essentially it can be a, a bunch of different topics that come up and we just let the show go wherever it, go, it goes. Obviously, if there's a bit of news that happens in the week, we will cover it as well. But it seems to be it's going to be a couple of weeks where there's not going to be a, a load of Bears news, but we will still have shows each and every week. Again, within the next couple of weeks, we'll be starting up our college football show where we will be kind of going through guys that are eligible for the draft, doing some of our normal analysis. We'll have some guests on to be able to talk about that as well. I know a lot of you are interested in the wide receivers um, because I know a lot of people have been engaging in Twitter on that. So, yeah, look, it's going to be an interesting way going forward. Um, again, appreciate Kayla Olin for coming on the show, getting to learn a lot about Kyler Gordon. Adam, it's been a pleasure having you on again. Tony, yourself, it's been a lot of fun. Guys, make sure that you like the video. Make sure you subscribe. Um, we will be back with you guys next week. We haven't decided exactly the day, but again, follow us over on Twitter and we will announce that. And we have a, we have a couple of good things to be kind of telling you guys over the coming week. So make sure that you do stick with us. And again, as we end every show, all we can say is bear down. Bear, bear down.